Welcome to the Max Finance Podcast, where a certified financial planner and personal finance geek discuss how to make intentional financial decisions that maximize your money and achieve your goals. Okay, welcome everybody to another episode of the Max Finance Podcast. Today is a special episode because we have another party joining us. Um, Anna Hyman, thank you so much for for joining us today. In today's episode, we're going to be on the heels of our last conversation around uh, couples, money, and relationships, and just how you deal with uh, the dynamics there. Um, we. Uh, I guess I'll speak for myself. I certainly don't uh, think of myself as an expert in, in trying to decipher all of the different elements there. I mean, uh, I, hopefully what you got, if you haven't listened to our last episode, definitely check that out. That was episode 17, Money and Relationships, um, where we go in detail, different ways that you can think about your finances. Um, and and I think the biggest uh, takeaway there was, uh, there was there was really no one correct way to do it. And it just depends on the person. So um, today, what we thought would be very cool and very special is to um, bring in spouses, bring in partners. And um, in this episode, we'll be focusing on Anna and Lauren and uh, talking a little bit more about um, just the origin story, uh, maybe how they both think about um, more so focused on Anna and how she thinks about her um uh, the up, her upbringing, her money scripts that she may be going through, um, and then as they both combine, like different milestones and, and how they uh, started to um, have those conversations. So, and how they're thinking about it today and in the future. So, a lot to talk about. But, anyways, thank you, Anna, for for coming on board. Really appreciate it. I look forward to it. Thank you for having me. Um, I don't think I've ever been um, invited to talk about anything finance related. Although, if anyone asks me, I'm just happy to. Um, share my journey or talk about like how Lauren and I manage our finances, whether it's something that resonates with them or not. But I, yeah, I'm pretty open and excited to um, share our journey, my, my journey specifically actually with, with your audience. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Um, is this your first time on a podcast ever? Yes. Okay. Very <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'm very a cool. big fan of podcasts and just like listening to it. Um, during my walks and my long drives. So I've never been on the other side where I'm actually actively in a podcast. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Now you get to listen to yourself on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to rate it. Love a it. plus plus. A plus <laughs> plus. Already. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Lauren, any initial framing that I might've missed in that, that you want to add? No, no, I'm excited to, to learn. Okay. Awesome. So let's dive in. So starting out, um, would love to hear, you know, I think in this culture, uh, money and talking about money is, is very taboo and secretive, I think second, uh, or, or ahead of health. Um, and so I just wanted to, I'm just curious, uh, maybe your initial thoughts, um, and, and intentionally vague question, Anna, but how do you think about money? Is there anything that, uh, really stands out uh, for you? Maybe, especially as you were growing up? Yeah. I mean, if it's a really, really long and very, very personal topic for me, not in a sense that I would never want to talk about it, but um, so growing up, so quick background, I'm Filipina. I grew up born and raised in the Philippines. I moved to the U.S. about um, about 10 years ago now in my early 30s. Okay, so that clearly dates me, but by that time I moved here, I had already spent about 10 or 11 or so years in the you know working world but growing up um i grew up in a province and i would say that we my, my parents so there's it was me and my younger brother he's eight years younger than i am i would char characterize our upbringing or our e economic status as maybe very, very like low middle class. Um, and I say that because I did go to a very, very good school. I went to a private school my entire life. So did my brother for the most part. But it wasn't directly through my parents' efforts. Like I ha We had a lot of help from my family. My my uncle basically sent me to school towards the latter part of my, my um, upbringing. And, you know, it was one of those things where... I did go to a good school and I did so well that my parents perhaps really tried their best to kept me, to keep me in that school. And so um, I, I'm sure that in the 
like if if they I were to like open the curtain and like there was a lot of like borrowing and making sh- like making ends meet and having conversations with so many different people asking for support. Um, but as a child, I just saw that as like you know I'm like in this school where a lot of like rich people go to, and I just happened to live in the neighborhood um, where my I so I grew up with my grandparents, so they live in a really big house that just happened to be close to my school, so I could like walk or take you know, like a a sidecar bike ride to school and stuff like that. But I was very, very aware that we weren't like rich. Like I always had a hard time like making tuition so I could take a test. I also had a hard time with projects. I had a hard time with, you know, like any requirements from school that involved money. Like I had to be sent to do this or buy a new uniform. Everything was just a struggle growing up. So, so that was like, I was very, very aware as an eldest child that, that I didn't have a lot and that my parents didn't have a lot. That made me a very independent child to begin with. But then I grew up, right? So then after college, I, I knew that I got a good, um, sort of, background like I I, th- I took a business course I took management accounting in college with the thought that I just wanted to get something where I could be easily employed it doesn't matter what it is I just need to be easily employed or I could go into business and I had like a finance background so I I did go to um, my first corporate job which is um, a company called Diageo and it's a it's a multinational company. They own brands like Johnny Walker Cuervo like all of that and I was in I moved to Manila, which is the capital of the Philippines, and I was away from my family for the first time um, ever. So now I lived this sort of independent life, and I had my first paycheck. Very, very quickly after that, I realized that I had all these years of pent up sort of like frustration about not having enough money all the time to suddenly earning earning just period not even earning a lot it's just like oh suddenly i'm earning so then i was very easily swayed by all of these credit card offers and i'm just like oh my god now i can have my own credit card it was just like all new to me and before i know it i was in debt like i wouldn't characterize it as heavy debt but i was in debt way more than my current salary i would say like at its highest maybe i was in debt for four times more than my current salary in a month and that was like the highest at the highest point and i was just not even, like fresh grad i was already like in debt and i didn't know any way to fix that i just my parents never talked to me about money other than telling me like we don't have enough right they never taught me how to save or what to do or how to calculate things i just like learned the hard way and i went through you know having being in like having like a boyfriend who might say like oh yeah i mean you shouldn't do this or maybe you should do that but i never really had anyone fully invested in my financial education so um i just i here's what i did i just made sure that i went to another job that paid more so i can pay more of my debt and and yada yada and then just sort of like make it go around um and then you know, later in life, I met Lauren. And to be fair, none of my other relationships, even my family, knew anything about my finances, like vaguely, like, oh, yeah, maybe you're earning this much, or maybe you're paying this debt. If they needed anything from me, I just provided it. They didn't matter where it came from or whether I borrowed it from a friend or took out a loan here somewhere. It didn't matter. I needed to support my family and I just provided it. Yeah, I love I, I love all that. Yeah, that, that's amazing. So, so it sounded like um, it, it wasn't necessarily a very transparent upbringing in relation to money and like Not where it came from. And um, they were able, you were able, to, they were able to, you were able to go to this uh, good school and and really work your work your way out. Uh, from there, what I, I'm not uh, super familiar with the the landscape of the Philippines, but when you moved from where you were at before to Manila, I understand Manila's like the capital, and it's it's it, I imagine it would you know be something like L.A. or New York uh, of the Philippines. Was it sure. was it a very big different uh, uh, lifestyle switch from where you were at before, or was that where you were going to school? No, I didn't go to school there at all. And that's why it was so hard to make friends. Um, that's for another podcast. Um, <laughs> but of course, the difference is that, you know, when I was living back home, because I, I finished college in my hometown and never had to pay any rent. I just received the allowance. Right. And then 
um, when I graduated, my parents said, okay, our gift to you is you can go to Manila. Because I have relatives in Manila. My, my mom and my dad, they have siblings there. And they're like, you should go and to so Manila. for trips there. And it wasn't like this. Yeah, like as a child, yet. you know, they mm-hmm. would like send me there for the summer. And so I was like, okay. So he said, my mom said, oh, you should go to Manila as like your graduation present. Like almost like, yeah, spend summer there before you start looking for a job or something. And I thought, great yeah i'll go and then like we got to the airport and she handed me like a one-way ticket i'm like when am i coming back and she said oh don't come back without a job oh boy i was like what (laughs) i was really like so and i maybe i'm remember this wrong but that's my memory right i was like i'm pretty sure i'm supposed to come home and she's like no you have to find a job in manila and you know figure it out um Possibly. And this was when you graduated from from college then or was this yeah. what time yeah almost immediately after I graduated from college wow. like within like a month or something um and so I was kind of devastated that they did that decision for me at the time um but I did go to Manila and I you know I stayed with my aunts like I had two aunts there living maybe an hour from each other so I would like move from one place to another place and they knew that I needed to find a job so that um, after about close to a year of either seriously looking for a job or just waiting for things to happen to me actually like you know I landed this corporate job which was way better than I had ever expected Um, and and this is important but because I don't know exactly when I said this but I knew that at the very, very beginning of my career, I had promised my family that I would support them. Like, like almost like a blanket statement, like I'm gonna now be the breadwinner of this family. Um, and almost immediately my dad like stopped working. <laughs> like he just was like very, take a step back, like, oh, I guess you're gonna take the lead now. And so for whatever reason, he his corporate job didn't work out well. And he was just like, I'm gonna semi-retire early and 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 call this day. And I just willingly took up the reins and then said, so my brother and I are eight years apart. So by the time I graduated college, he was he just graduated grade school. So now he's going to high school. So I said, I'm going to start paying for his schooling. So, oh, wow. So I did pay for my brother's school throughout high school and college, um, which was really, really hard. And there were times when I had to quit my job, like my first job and my second job. I just had to quit them abruptly due to stress or just for whatever reason, it just wasn't working out for me. And I couldn't tell my family because at the end of the day, I still had to pay rent. I still had to send them money for my brother, anything like all those things. So the big difference is that when I moved to Manila, after I got a job, I had to move out of my aunts who were not asking me for rent. Um, and had to live in like the heart of this business district, essentially, and then pay rent um, and then also pay for my own food and all of that stuff. Right. Um, adulting stuff. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. now I had to be responsible for them. My, my parents never gave me any money um, after I graduated college, like ever. So I had wow. to just start earning and then figure it out from there. Wow. Yeah, that is so, I mean, I think it's hard enough as it is to just try to make sure that you're setting yourself on the right foot yourself, let alone taking care of your entire family. That must really accelerate the maturity process uh, and, and from a money perspective. Like how did, were there any takeaways that you, when you look back now, um, that it's like, oh, wow, that really kind of shaped my my thoughts on money. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you talk to my therapist, that's pretty much the last three years. You know, it's like, let me just say this. And, and I know some people may or may not understand, but a huge part of Filipino culture is giving back to your family. Like, it's almost like, and I know it's not ideal, and I certainly wouldn't expect that of my daughter or anyone else, you know, today. But but then, and even so with other families now, as children, like, it's hard to say this, but it's like almost like we're expected to return the favor for us being raised, right? 
And it's not so much as like your parents shouldn't even demand that of you. It's that you should be willing to do that for them at any time. And that's why you see in the Philippines, a lot of families living together, multiple generations under one home forever. And, and, that's, and that's why I grew up for the first 13 years of my life living with my grandparents um, and my parents there, obviously. Because so, that's just how it is, you know, and. Unfortunately, you know, my parents, my dad was one of 12, my mom was one of seven, and I'm just one of two. And and then we're eight years apart, too. So, like, sort of, like, the pressure of supporting my family, it wasn't just, like, like expected, but it felt, fall, fell squarely on my shoulders because, I mean, my brother was so much younger than I was, and who else was going to do this, right? Um and it was a lot of that. It's just um it was it was difficult. And I would say if I if I look back, did I have any regret in doing any of that? I don't think so. I don't feel that, but I do think that it could have gone better the way that my parents and I sort of related with each other, where I, I think the biggest problem, and it came to me kind of like later in life, is that as soon as I started supporting my family, I saw myself as an equal and they saw me as an equal. So then I became like this third parent all throughout my adult life. And any financial decision, I was very, very invested. And any time my parents like sort of like had some potential financial windfall and then didn't do any good with that money, like I'm so like it I just took everything so personally. And when my brother, who I paid for schooling, would suddenly just like come home with like really bad grades, I'd be the most devastated. Like my parents would be so afraid to tell me his grades because I'd feel so hurt because, you know, I worked so hard, lived in a different place. I was like not even like eating well or not really, you know, when I couldn't take care of my own health because I had to work. And then my brother comes home with like bad grades, like doesn't sit right with me. And I would just take everything so personally. So it really affected the dynamic of our family. Um, and it took like a lot of years, much, much later in life for me to even like overcome that and repair that and even do something about it. So um, while I don't regret being supportive of my family, I feel like we could have done a better job of, I don't know, maybe setting boundaries or or talking about the expectations or acknowledging, I think even just like acknowledging that I sacrificed quite a bit of my life to be able to fulfill that, I think that might be where I would look back and say I, we could have done a better job. Mm -hmm. I, and there's a couple things I wanted to go on before we bring in uh, the, your uh, meeting Lauren and, and and coming to the States and all that. Um, so I take it that th there was no, even through college, there was no sort of, um, you know, kind of personal finance or financial literacy, you know, aspect of that. Is that a fair assumption or were there courses around it that they just didn't necessarily resonate or, or tell me about the, that process? Yeah, I know. I, I, I honestly wish, but I have zero recollection because, um, you know, you have to understand, I, I don't know about here, right in the U S but I grew up in the eighties and then like, mm -hmm most of the 90s and my teenage years. So I don't think that that was even part of it. Like I, in college, I had, like, because I'm in like, I took finance, um, like, sorry, management accounting. Then I learned about debit and credit. And then I learned about like balancing, but I didn't learn about it and sort of like think about myself, right? Because I was still a student and I was just like receiving allowance. Like there was really nothing, I don't have any expenses, so to speak, or earnings, so to speak. So it, it was all very just, I nothing, I, literally nothing because my parents didn't want to talk about, it. even when my parents were like clearly needing some financial support, it was never a conversation with the kids. Like it was just like adults and adults will talk about it, but you would never hear about it. And so, yeah, like I said, I'm just speculating about like behind the scenes, how they must have had a lot of like difficult conversations about where to get the money to fund certain things. And and I was just never a part of that. Yeah, I would imagine those those courses are probably more around just how the business runs and like maybe more of the corporate side rather than personal. Um, and, and again, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Is is there anything and this may be a big question or, or you know, uh, to take it however you want. But is there anything that that you've learned reflecting back on that period in time that you potentially could share to others who maybe are going through that now or like any any nuggets or, or uh, pieces of, of wisdom that you might uh, impart on, on others as they're potentially going through that process? Yeah, I mean, 
I certainly, I feel for them because being the breadwinner in a family is a huge, huge responsibility. And it's not just financial at the end of it. There's going to be a lot of like emotional and mental stress. There's like you're investing like your whole life um, in, in sort of that being in that role, right? Like for me, let me just say, like sometimes if, if I get like my paycheck, I'll walk in a mall, I'll find like a nice top and be like, oh, I really want to get this. I haven't had a new top in a long time. But then my brain goes, but you know, this top is equivalent to my brother's whole week of allowance. So do I really want to buy this top or just like save this money for my brother's allowance? And all of the time, it will always go to my brother's allowance. So sometimes in the process, you kind of lose a part of yourself. Like you just sort of like go into this uh, unselfish mode for a very long time. And you just like singularly think about your family, even if you don't want to. So I would say I, I, I empathize for people being in that position, because at the end of the day, sometimes it's not even our choice, especially for me, culturally. Um, second part is. Like I said earlier, I think it's, and I don't know how comfortable you are, but you got to create the boundaries or you got to sort of like talk about, hi, you know, like I'm willing to do this only to this extent. Or if you sort of like do something, like, can we talk about, like, I think it's a lot about communication, which I don't think my family and I really were in the best place to do that. Also, this time of of our lives, like we're not really that vocal, even about feelings in general. So we're not really the type of family. So I can't imagine, um, I can't imagine doing that back in the day. But now that I am more aware, I wish, I wish I could have pushed for it, because um, I think like the communication part and the setting boundaries part, you you may not see that value right away. But as the time goes on and you want to know when you want to stop or when the expectations should end or like it's a much easier conversation um, than I imagine I've had when I had to tell my mom that I had to stop um, supporting at some point. So so there's there's a lot of like I wish I could have done um, in the past. But I think, you know, just a common understanding about like what the goals are and why you're continuing to support your family in, in this way and stuff. So mm -hmm. I hope that's Try, helpful. It, yeah, it's super, definitely helpful. And so trying to, to have more dialogue um, and potentially kind of bringing them into uh, here's what it takes for you to, 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 to cover all of these various expenses. And um, you know, that might hopefully help them in terms of their expectations, but also as on your end as well saying, here's what I, I can cover and it's causing me a lot of stress and, and uh, there's a lot of, but, but it sounds like not only just you as a, as a family, a nuclear family, but also just maybe culturally that be very difficult conversation to have. So maybe just, trying a little bit to go in that direction might be of value for folks if they're in that position. Wonderful. Well, yeah, again, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, can you uh, maybe bring us up to speed? So when, when yeah. did you, uh, you and Lauren meet and um, yeah, how is that process go in terms of uh, money and relationship? Yeah. So we met um, in 2012 and at that time, I was already working at um, a petroleum company as a brand and communications manager. I had been there for about more than seven years, built my career, um, felt essentially secure financially. And I would say that I felt that even though I still had credit card debt, um, because I knew that it was not as much as I did as I had way back in my early days as a, you know, like my early career days. Um, but I still had, but I always thought this is part of life. Everyone has debt. So I just have mine and I'm just going to pay for it every month. I certainly didn't pay off um, like ev like the entire amount every month. It's just not how I operated. I just thought I'll just pay whatever it is on my statement. And as, as long as I continue to pay that, I'm fine. That's That's where I was. But also I thought I was in a great, financial state because um, I was paying my rent. I had like, I had a car I had, but also a lot of that were like benefits from my company. Like my company paid for, like part of my compensation was all of these things. 
but I was also taking trips, right? Like I was like, I had like options. And if I wanted to like go out and eat, like I could, if I wanted to splurge on something, I could. So my, in my head, I was like in a good spot. Then I met Lauren. Um, and I never, I don't know at what point, like he and I started talking about finances, but I, I think within like the first, six months because he and I like lived together after 21 meeting 21 days of meeting each other like it was that quick and so like they're obviously like being in that situation it, like the talk about like finances and stuff like I feel like it's like a natural progression so we talked about it and I don't remember but I must have thought that he's in he's he knows better than I do because he quickly was like we should pay your debt you should, you should pay your debt like right away or talk to me about interest or something. And, and I don't remember exactly what those conversations were, but I, I think I knew like, okay, well, this guy knows his stuff. Right. So either I hide it from him or I <laughs> sort of like, just be upfront about it. And I don't think it was that much of an issue really when we were just dating, um, to be honest, like, he was generous and I could do, I, I could support if I could, but obviously like he had his savings in dollars and I had my money in, in pesos. And if you must know, it's like 50, 50 pesos to a dollar. So almost like he always, always had way more money than I did at any given point in time. So I, you know, that was fine until I think I had to move to the US and and that's when it got a little tricky because when I left the company, I got, you know, my severance check. It's kind of like got paid out for like... A, yes, is that know, called some, severance? Um, like, no, not... I mean, I guess we'd say it's... Um, you kind of had... You had, you had accrued some retirement benefits, like kind of right. a pension, and, and you got paid out a little bit when you left the company. Right. So, and, and the money came to me in a lump sum, and I took that entire thing with me to the US. And I thought... I am in a pretty good spot. And then I quickly realized that it's not in, it's not a lot of money when I started spending it in dollars. And my biggest problem then was that, you know, I wasn't paying Lauren in it. Like he helped, he basically took the rent and, and most of our groceries. But like, if I wanted to do something, like I'm going to have to spend out of that money at some point. Um, but the biggest expense was when like, I think I started taking these tests because I thought I wanted to be, you know, I had to stay in school here in order to stay here. There was just a lot of like these out of pocket that I didn't plan for before. And I just was like, okay, this money is running out. The money is running out. And um, long story short, you know, we got engaged and then we had these conversations about like what we were going to do with the money um, and how all of that's just going to fit in because it took a while for me to really earn. Like for at some point, it really was just, I, I wasn't earning anything. And and so I think when I did start earning the very, very small, maybe like, let's just say $15 an hour, I I that's I think that's when the difficult conversation started because I think that I had this notion that whatever I earned, because it was such a small amount, like just went to me. Mm. It was just my money. You know, it was like, thanks. It's like an allowance, you know? Because I didn't have any allowance. I just had my own, whatever it was left of my bank account and his own thing, which he used to spend for our living expenses, right? And then this tiny thing, this tiny paycheck was mine. And turns out it wasn't. So um, that mm -hmm. was, I remember exactly where we were sitting near um, <laughs> by Land's End. And we sat down and we had this conversation about like putting money together. And I was like, what do you mean? Why, why would I do that? Like, this is nothing. Like, why would you be interested in my puny paycheck? <laughs> um, it's just so, it just felt so like, 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 honestly, like cr a crash, my world crashed in a way. It's like, huh. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we're going to have to share, huh? Okay. So <laughs> that was hard. That was hard. I don't know. I'm sure people are like, that's what you do as a married couple. And I just was like, didn't really know. Didn't know. Yeah, yeah. And so let's bring Lauren in on here. So so walk me through, um, you know, when, when you and Anna combined finances, like that conversation, how did that go? 
or maybe some backstory before that. Of, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't quite can't recall that conversation um, exactly, but I think yeah, just kind of recapping the context. So you know, Anna came to the U.S. Um, and it took a while before she was even able legally able to work, and then even when she was legally able to work. Um, you know, it took her time to, to find a job um, and especially took her a decent amount of time to find a job that was in her kind of previous career and field. And so for, you know, a year or two, like I was the primary source of, of income and, and supporting us and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure what she just said is is definitely true in that when she did, I think she found some some work, maybe as doing some translation or just kind of odd things like immediately I was like, oh, great, you're contributing now to, you know, paying all the expenses that we have. And so, um, yeah, you know, I don't necessarily, I, I don't think we spent a lot of time trying to think about different ways, like different kind of arrangements we could have. It was, you know, I think probably there was just maybe an assumption on my part of like what we were going to do. And I think part of it was just because our, our, um, I mean, I was still relatively early in my career, but compared to, um, I think that just like she, she wasn't working very much even, I think just like the, 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 the difference in income was so great that it just, the concept, like for instance, of like, you know, um, of us contributing equally to some expense would not be possible or even you know i think doing some kind of prorated thing just didn't seem feasible so to me it just felt like yeah like we're in this together and um you know i think this is something that i've obviously kind of made an assumption make this is how my parents you know they've always had kind of completely kind of joint finances and things like that so i think i don't think we don't recall like i mean maybe you know, maybe she, maybe you did kind of uh, argue, advocate for something else, but um, I honestly probably didn't even give it a much thought in terms of like, no, this seems like what we have to do is we just have to, you know, join our finances and work towards our common goals together. But, you know, I, I, to be honest, like my kind of thing is just like my, I think early on, I definitely, you know, recognize that I think like, um, I think there was opportunity for, for, for Anna to kind of, um, prioritize what she what what's important to her and spend money that aligned with those priorities because like you know like she said you know um she definitely carried some debt um and hadn't you know had a lot of of savings um at the time and i do recall some early conversations and arguments during during dating around i remember she wanted to buy some something i think it was a camera or something like that um it's always and, a uh, camera. And I think, you know. That you never uh, use. <laughs> yeah, it's a camera that I was like, do you really need a camera? Like, are you really going to use it much? And she had some, you know, outstanding debt. And um, she had like a, some, I just remember also like she had like a high-end, like, like a kind of a, like, a, like a fancy designer bag too. That was more than a few months of your salary. I was like, why don't you just sell this thing? It's just kind of First use of all, it like, I paid for it monthly. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. You were paying like a monthly layaway of, of, uh, so anyway, there were some early, definitely some early arguments about, about money there. And at that point, um, I didn't have much savings either, but I had been working towards paying off my student loans. And I think right about the time is when um, I moved back to the U S is when I'd kind of finished starting off our student loans. So I just felt like, okay, let, you know, let's kind of figure this out and let's, you know, um, work towards our common goals and then start putting, saving money and investing it. Mm -hmm. Well, and so there's, there's so much there. Sorry, and I, I just wanted to highlight too, like um, even, but so I, I think prior to our last episode, as we were preparing to talk more about the different ways uh, couples even broach these topics, you know, a lot of the episodes we've got are really focused on individual and how are you going to optimize to the nth degree. Um, but then it becomes so convoluted when you have two parties and, and you're joining finances and maybe you've got different backgrounds. Um, I think one of the biggest things is just we we learn, especially in, in, in what seems in this culture, it's it's not really front and center. It's not stuff. It's my family in particular, and it sounds like Anna, your family as well. It's didn't talk about it at all, and so um, you just sort of went off of whatever the example was that you see, and uh, it wasn't even just like like Lauren you were saying. You don't even kind of try to factor in. Uh, wait, what are the options available to me? Um, but it sounded like, Lauren, that you had a, uh, a very purposeful view on it uh, early on. Is that a fair characterization? Um, 
I don't I don't know that we had any like specific goals at the time other than that, you know, I did I was definitely aware at that time I was absolutely kind of aware of the the power of of investing. I think kind of during college I had read several books about investing um and so I, I kind of knew the importance of starting early, you know, and then like letting time kind of be on your side. And I also felt that um yeah, again, kind of, we were both kind of similar in terms of of kind of level of of kind of current kind of assets and stuff, which is relatively low. And so I thought it was just a good time for us to to both, you know, to tackle that. I, you know, I would say too now that in our very very early days, and even sometimes 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 now, like I I wish that I had been able to properly articulate why I make decisions a certain way and why his coming to me, talking to me about like joint goals and stuff like doesn't really resonate that much because he and I came from different, like it takes so many, it took us honestly like, so many conversations of nearly the same thread where I'm like, you have to understand this is what I know and this is how I see money and you're coming in, you're asking me to do nearly all of the adjusting, right? Because to him, it's like, you know, this is the path forward and I'm bringing you with me. But the way that sometimes people, and I say this, when I say people, I'm just assuming, Lauren, that people who have a high financial, um, high financial acumen, I would say, sometimes they don't see, they just see like, this is the goal. Why aren't you like on board? Like this, this makes the most sense, but you don't take into consideration like how long I've been thinking about money. What is my relationship with money growing up? How did, what, who are my role models and why, you know, because at the end, at the core of my own um, financial belief is that I always see money and spending as emotional. I see something and I'm like, someone else would have fun getting this. And I always see it as like, it's going to bring me joy. It's going to bring someone else joy. I never see it as like, I, it's just very rare for me to look at money as transactional. Like everything has meaning to me. So when you just expect me, someone who's probably not had a great relationship with money to just come along for the ride, like that is not going to be a smooth ride for me because it's going to be like a total like change in my, how, how I relate, spend, think, accept, save money, you know? And so that I think, and con- it continues to this day is a, is a conversation that he and I have. My wish was that in the very beginning, and I, you know, I think we're really young then it's just, it wasn't, it, we didn't, we're not, we weren't mature enough to have that conversation. It was just, totally. for me, it felt like, Oh, you, like an attack. Honestly, it felt like a judgment, an attack. And it's like, well, how do you expect me to go willingly when I don't believe what you're talking? Like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Um, so yeah, I think I I don't know what's the lesson to be learned there, but I just think like that certainly was like a years long struggle for me and him to even be on the same page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, how did you? I know you you mentioned just a number of conversations. Was there ever a point that? And maybe those conversations or arguments or you know different like how how do you? How do you come around to the joint? Like, what did, what did, when did you even have the joint conversation about about goals and what you wanted to do? And I, I, Lauren may have a different answer, but I again remember this very vividly. We were sitting in front of Toy Boat, which is a very popular um, dessert spot on Clement Street, and I think. <sighs> Was this, was, can, you, can you explain like timing? Was this after we this were married? Like, before with, we were yeah, married? after we were married way before kid, uh, before Isla and his parents and also my parents, you know, like always talk about buying a house, like, because it's such a traditional thing to do. You get married, you buy a house, you have a child, like that's the order of things. And so they keep talking about buying a house, buying a house, buying a house. And I like sat down with him, like, well, what are we doing? Like, are we going to buy a house? Like what's, how do we, and he had obviously prepared all of these like rebuttal about why you shouldn't buy a house and what we should do instead. And I don't remember exactly if this is when he started talking to me about um, fire, right? Or it was just a conversation about like, yeah, we're not going to buy a house. And here's why. And I think I might've cried 
so many times just like trying to let go of that dream of buying a house at that point in time you know it's like but why like why even bother like why do you save like a lot of these things and and here's what happens to our conversations we always have a very difficult conversation about goals and finances and who does what and who makes this decision and why do I have to follow this decision all of that but every time another person asks me for advice and I tell them how Lauren and I are handling it they always would look at me like oh my god you guys are amazing like you guys have like you got it all figured out like oh god and I just was like and that's how I know that I'm retaining all of these conversations that Lauren and I have because I'm able to explain it to others and somehow advocate for it. And then they are like, great idea. You guys are on the right track. But but in the moment when Lauren and I talk about it, it's always so difficult. It's always just like like pulling teeth. I'm like, no, I, like there's always a lot of push and pull. And I think that's but, also sometimes how, how I kind of gauge your uh, your your level of buy-in or how much if I'm trying to like turn you is like hear you talk to other people about it and stuff like that. Like I'll kind of overhear your phone conversations. And, and things yeah, like I talk to people about YNAB. I talk to people about, talk to them about Mint before. I talk to them about what we do with our finances because somehow in a way, the way when I start talking about it, it makes me partially believe that, yes, we're on the same page because this is how we're going about it. But it also helps me just kind of like buy in a little bit more and buy in a little bit more every time I talk about it. But the journey to get to that buy-in is paved with um, lots of like rusty nails where you could get hurt anytime, you know? It's like, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. So let's, let's I think we should kind of, that conversation about buying a house, I think very much what I think, how I probably approached that was talked about our kind of, yeah, our goal of kind of, of early retirement. And I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on, you know, how I approached that subject to you, what you thought about it initially and, and how that has changed and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest part about that conversation, you started talking about like, look, I just did this research and there's this thing about fire. Da, da, da. And I was just, just like, you know, Lauren is a very obsessive person. So sometimes he goes on like these tunnels of like subjects. It could be about racing. It could be the racing racing theme for the next three years. Who knows? Right. So I just probably thought about it as like one of those things where he would like go at a rabbit hole and start talking about it to me. But then when I realized that it's actually going to affect me meaning my where my money will go what we're gonna do i like that part about not owning a house that's one part i get it it's i also agree it's too expensive to buy i i get that like it's just i get it this Easy. is like in the bay area specifically like yeah, i'm not yeah, saying yeah. buying a house is, is is like categorically a bad idea i think it has to you have to you know look at the numbers and obviously it's not purely a financial choice it's also a purely it's sometimes a lifestyle decision but you have to understand the, the the price that you're paying for and i think in the bay area it's like very yeah but i think like getting over that was much relatively much easier than when i found out that it meant that i actually had to retire early and i was like really, you know weirdly pushing back on that i'm like I actually like to work like what do you mean like it like why would I retire early? I don't need to retire early. Like, And then one part of that, and I know I'm jumping here, because it just occurred to me that I had to wrap my head around the idea that our money now had to go into this very strict path in order for us to achieve this goal, right? And to me, it was so black and white. It's like, this is your goal, but then I, my my part of the money is affected. Like it was just, yet again, another conversation about how I can contribute to this goal. Like, this is your goal. Like, why couldn't we have arrived at this goal together? Not like that, didn't work like that at all. But I think that the hardest part was, um, I had to ask him specifically, like, does this mean that our lifestyle is going to change? Like, we're already not big spenders to begin with. Does that mean that we don't travel? You know, like, does that mean that we don't do this? Like, I just had so many questions about the things that we now cannot do, which I was so afraid of. And and I was really 
I was like, how, why, why would we do this? Like, why can't I just like continue working? Why can't I just do this? And, you know, it's hard because I went through phases where I would be around people who wore designer stuff or who could do this. And it's hard to not compare yourself. Like, look, Lauren, do you know how much we earn compared to these other people? But look at their lifestyle and look at how we live. Like, we're just so living way beneath our means. Like, I think we could do more. Like, I think we should have fun, you know? And it's just, it's still, it's still a conversation to this day. We still have these conversations because I think like, he takes comfort. He says, there's always power in knowing that the power comes in knowing how much you save, not in how much you spend. And to me, it's like, but also like, it's cool, right? Like, it's cool to have this new thing or it's cool to go to these places. Like, I would love to do that. But because we have this goal and you know what I hate, I hate it when he always equates things to like, but if we spend this, it means that we have to work an extra six years and two months and five days. Like, F, no, I don't. I don't want to hear that. I just, But no. that's what matters. Like, that's like <laughs> that. I mean, I think. Uh, yeah. But that doesn't mean anything no? to me. It doesn't like, mean anything. Like, I feel it doesn't like... mean because like I said, I actually like working, you know, like oh. now I maybe not. Now, like I, we're closer to the goal. I'm like. Yeah, no, it'd be fun to just stop working. But back then, I was just like, yeah, so what? So I'll, I'll, I'll earn six, I'll go back to work for six more years. Like, okay, you know? Um, but, yeah, do you yeah. think part of it is like, as we get closer, it feels maybe more real and that it's, it's easier to kind of I get behind? I think the part that made it more real to me was when we achieved our first benchmark. Like when you said, like okay, this is now where we're at. And I'm like, what? All of that? All of that? Just from this and to this? And I, like, we just started doing this and now we're here. Like, that's when I felt like, okay, I'm really proud of where we are. But also I feel 100% that we wouldn't be here if you weren't hard on me. Or if you weren't hard on certain, like, we have to do this. That plus... I think like the way that we're splitting our finances um, and how we've managed it and we have like our allowance, even though I always wish I had more, um, I think because, you know, just because I also have like some sort of freedom is I, I'm like, I'm placated, you know, I'm like, I'm okay. As long as you never like, you don't say like absolutely like put all of this money in because I've seen from some YouTube videos, right, of some couples where they're, like, very, very strict about their goals. Like, absolutely not do this for 10 years or five years, and they got to this point. And I said, I'm, 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 I'll be here for the ride, but I don't want to suffer for it. Because at the end of the day, if your goal is to have me at that end line being happy with you, but the journey was so arduous, I might not even be there with you, right? Like, I might just, like, jump ship and be like, this is not the life I signed up for because because what I want is for us to be realistic about the goal but at the same time you have to understand my upbringing I had a lot like bag baggage I had no money growing up and to live like the next half of my life almost feeling like I had no money again only to just have that in the end I might not make it you know I was telling like that look that's that's a hard ask um is really difficult but i i'm calling it you know i like I, that's i don't want that i don't want that at all so i think just this constant push and pull obviously um maybe it gets easier over time you know the way we communicate to each other has gotten nicer better more more open but but these conversations never end it's it's always like a, an evolution of of whose needs go first or last or or how do we merge that need as a couple mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and are you it sounds like you know there's still challenges it's it's not something that's just like you've come to this uh idealistic mental Absolutely. place where you've both have merged minds and are no. on this path um because because what you're detailing is is retiring early which is uh you know you talk about going from one extreme your upbringing and then now you're going to complete other extreme which is uh 
you know, this culture is built on work and, and, you know, spending and buying the, the best and latest and greatest and, you know, keeping up with the Joneses is, is really, uh, and there's a oh, lot yeah. of, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I don't mean to tell you you're in marketing, right? Like there's a lot of psychology around spending and, and brands to spend so much money on trying to, to buy for your attention and, and, uh, you get that, that kind of rush. And then, you know, it sounds like you, you've gotten to the, all these points where trying to value, you know, each transaction and it's that sort of balance point of like, how much do you want to go on one end where you're trying to save for tomorrow versus living today? And, and, you know, that journey along the way. So there's, there's so much, uh, there and, and it, it, and it, 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 it a lot of conversation to, to get to that point, but you've, you've, you've gotten this far and, and, and you're, 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 you know, you can potentially see the, the ending point in 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 maybe coming unless into Lauren view. decides to move the goalpost again, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Talk First of that. all, yes, yes. We, I, I would say that I'm in a much better understanding of that. We call that like learning curve for this whole plan for fire to begin with. I'm like, okay, I get it, and there, I know where we're at. And from time to time, I'm invested in asking, like, where we are and all of that. Um, but I just don't think that there is ever a point where you're, like, 100%, we're fully in sync. This is, you know, we're together. I, I just don't think that's even possible because, you know, you'll have a child or you'll have a different circumstance or a family member gets sick. And there's just things that you just don't know that's going to happen. And, and I can't predict that. I can't also say that I will know exactly how I'm going to react to life situations thrown my way, you know? And so I think what's important is not thinking that we would ever arrive at like a fully actualized, you know, like we're now financially stable people. I don't think that's the goal. I think the goal is that as life changes, your, your outlook on it, from a financial perspective can also can also shift and I, my hope is that over time we're more compassionate towards each other in a way that the conversations don't have to be fraught don't have to have a lot of like tension it's really just like oh look here's another path maybe we can consider okay let's go look at this and then we'll you know maybe like talk about it and then have conversations but that it wouldn't be such a big deal anymore as it used to when we start when we started you know because at the end of the day i think actually having that like these data points of us achieving our goals at every turn is very very important for building the confidence and trust that you have with each other because mm -hmm. at the end of the day that's really where the like what do you call that the proof, the proof, is, the proof is in the pudding yes th <laughs> there you go right like it's like we we did that you know and so mm -hmm. as long as we keep looking back and saying I know it's hard, but we did that. And so mm -hmm. this is nothing. We can do that again, or we can do this more. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how I see it. More confidence in the relationship and being able to to move forward because those constant deposits in the trust bank of, of the right. relationship uh, from a financial standpoint. But again, it's hard to you know extricate finances and maybe the way you're viewing it with just the relationship as a whole and the psychology around that. Um, so, so uh, shameless plug here. We talked about fire in episode uh, 11, 12, and 13, sort of a mini series. So if you if you're unsure with what we're talking about here, definitely go back after after this episode, listen to that. Um, the, the other thing, so so you talked about putting aside uh, home purchase. Obviously, in the Bay Area and SF, San Francisco, it's very 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 expensive. Uh, it's 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 hard to do. Um, but but. The other element that came into your lives is your daughter, Isla. Mm -hmm. Walk me through, has anything changed when Isla came into the picture, into your lives um, related to, to finances? Has that changed the course at all? Uh, I mean, Lauren might have a different answer, but I surprisingly don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so because... Um, 
like we wanted to have a child. So I think like it was important for us to like have conversations. There's first of all, there's no way you can accurately predict how much you spend on a child, right? Like <laughs> I don't know if people have spreadsheets that they're like projecting. <laughs> I just don't know, you know. I, I've never had one. I've never had one in the US. So I just think everything is expensive. But so we had her and I think at that point when I was pregnant, we had already met you. So 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 talking about our expenses and how that you know as a you know com- like getting having a child soon and then you know how much we were earning like how much is that going to affect us i think i think we had that conversation with you early on and and i felt secure i don't know what like the outcome of that conversation did it just i think my mommy brain sort of like there's like a brain fog there but i remember the feeling of feeling secure that we were going to be able to like comfortably care for her period like no considerations we were going to be able to take care of her and i think you know up to this day she's like turning three next month i have moments in the day where i'm just like sitting there i'm like she's so lucky that she will never have to go through what i went through like i just say like Anytime I think about, oh, Isla needs something and maybe I can just go to Amazon and buy it, right? Like I, my parents never had that. And I never certainly, I just, I just didn't experience that as a child. And I look at her and I think, you're so lucky because you would never have to go through what I went through. And, and, and your relationship with me as your parent is never going to be my relationship with my parents growing up. So I don't think that's changed. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. Um, well, I, I appreciate the flattery. Uh, Lauren, please, during this period of time, was there, I, I know we had a lot of conversations and I, I certainly don't want to be the, <laughs> we, we went through a lot of different analysis, but but just keep, walk me through in your mind from uh, maybe as you were thinking about it, uh, as Isla entered the picture. Was there... Yeah, I mean, like Anna said, this uh, Isla was, we, we uh, were hoping and planning for her. So we had plan, planned for this. Um, and so it hasn't really had a, I wouldn't say it has had a big impact on our plan. It's just all been part of it. Um, and I think, I mean, for better or worse, be, you know, being in the Bay Area with daycare so expensive, it's like nothing pales in comparison, or everything pales in comparison to the cost of daycare. So I think we did a pretty good job, like, estimating the cost of daycare and things like diapers, formula, like, clothes, like, is very little compared to that. So, um those sort of variable costs that might be a little harder to estimate just haven't been negligible to be honest with you. But, um, you know, I think as, obviously as she gets older and, um, starts having desires that go beyond a, a different color sippy cup to, you know, wanting to take lessons or classes and stuff, I can see that, you know, definitely increasing our budget and stuff. And, you know, at some point I think we, you know, finding the right time to talk to her about, you know, a budget or like, you, would you rather do this? This costs this, you know, for this price, you could, you could do two of these or, you know, I think instilling that at an early age and giving her an allowance to understand like the concept of, 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 you know, spending things is something important to me. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, at this point, I don't think so anything has substantially changed, but I, I do imagine that over time, you know, as opportunities arise and we feel like that would provide significant value to her and that's something that she really wants, I can imagine us, um, you know, potentially increasing our spend to, to, to allow her to enjoy those things. Yeah, that's, uh, that's so amazing to hear because I, I know, um, you know, a lot of folks who uh, do have children, have a child, and it is such a, maybe not even a thing that they've factored into their finances and, and it just can be a a real daunting task. And, and I mean, let alone just, just trying to, as new parents, uh, I'm just trying to put my, I don't have a child yet, but just like making sure that, uh, that she's safe and taken care of. And then trying not only that, but like, how do you optimize the learning? I mean, there's just so many different ways that, uh, from uh, again, I think Lauren and I are both optimizers and, and trying to, to figure out the best ways to the most efficient ways to do things and um, yeah, just 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 trying to to get all of it right. And I think um, I would imagine just going on a limb here. It's probably you know it's unrealistic for you to think that uh, 
you know, you're going to get it all right the first time or that you're going to be able to account for every little item. I'm sure in, in the conversations that we've had, like there were some costs that were in there that we have not factored in or, um, you know, again, things that we projected that will happen that did not happen from a cost standpoint. So yeah, it can be very difficult. So, um, I, you know, if I take, uh, some of these, uh, you know, and I'd love both of your thoughts here for just kind of the learnings from from what, uh, you know, you both have shared. Again, it's the common thread in all of this is constant communication. There's, it, there's it, it, even with that constant communication, I think over time, you continue to put these, uh, you make these deposits into the trust bank account into the relationship. Um, and, uh, you, you know, it still can be a challenge, especially, you know, Goal, there, there may be a, a shift in in goals, maybe not for you two, you've, you seem very aligned on, on retiring early, but maybe when you get to retirement, maybe there's some new elements that come into play that, that hadn't been factored in or um, but that just still require constant communication. Um, are there any other sort of uh, items that that uh, that are big takeaways and and kind of as you reflect on on uh, kind of your, your combining of the finances? I do think that... Um throughout multiple times through our journey of fire i think there's been opportunity there's been times when we've traveled together and not that you need to have you need to retire early to travel but i think you know i we've kind of mixed in the idea of you know retiring but also living abroad i think you know kind of having those conversations when in those places i think is you know i think um i think helped sort of sell it a little bit help us kind of envision it a little bit and obviously going to some place just for two weeks is is obviously like kind of a honeymoon phase there's no, nothing like living abroad and all the challenges there but i think kind of just to help visualize it in, in a little little piece i think that sort of helped in a few ways um and then anna touched on it but we didn't talk about it a lot which is you know while we share you know 99 of our finances and have shared accounts we still have like just individual checking accounts that we each get like a small allowance each month to and um the purpose of that is really just for us to have feel like we have some control over over some like a no thing. judgment bucket yeah well like yeah exactly and i can buy whatever i want with it and we you know we typically buy our own individual things like like clothes or just you know personal things that are just for us like that comes out of that budget um and yeah you don't have to get any feedback or input from the other person because you're that's purely your own money. So that that type of thing has helped. And, you know, um, and I like the other larger expenses we discussed. So I think those are two things that have kind of helped us through. But like, like Anna said, it's really just about communication all the time. And I think improving how you communicate and how you provide, um, you know, sh sharing your feelings on things is, is really a bit important. Yeah, but I think, you know, a big part of communication isn't just the frequency, but the intent and the content. Because I could tell you like how I feel, right? About like certain things. So you talk to me about YNAB, for example, and I really hated YNAB in the beginning. I'm like, it's like so cumbersome. But but I will tell you why in my history it's like difficult to accept or why, you know, this is a trigger for me. Things like that. Like those things are just as important to articulate. And the intent that I talk about is just really like, I'm not here to negate what you're trying to say. Like at the end of the day, I'm sure I'm going to have this buy-in, but I'm here to kind of really understand why we need to do this or how we can make it better for each of us, all of that. Um, so that's what I want to talk about when it comes to communication. The other part that I think I'm learning and trying to just absorb on a day-to-day -day basis when it comes to any conversation, any topic, like any, whether it's raising Isla or putting our finances together or building a goal and, and, and just kind of like a through line that I always try to remember is that we're both on the same team. We're always going to be on the same team. No matter like this, we're married, we're a family, even if we're on opposing sides of a particular topic, we we're always on the same team. So as long as I keep that in mind, I'm I'm going to try to take my head away from you versus me or once trying to take my, you know, in the beginning when I said, like, it feels like you're taking my money away from me and I earned that. Like, no, we're on the same team. Um, 
sometimes we, you know, like Isla will have disciplinary issues. We're on the same team. So we're going to have to work this out together. And I think um, sometimes it's probably not said enough or sometimes it doesn't even come up. But it's important to remember that because you're now a single unit um, with in of comprised of individuals. But at the end of the day, in order for your goals to work, you have to move in a single direction. And, and that can only be achieved if you're both united and, you know, you have respect for each other and and just, you know, come in with an open heart and an open mind. And and just know that it's never really going to end. Like there's always going to be a con- another conversation about money, another conversation about discipline, another conversation about the future plans. It's never going to end. So, yeah, I think just uh, be respectful of each other. Yeah, well said. Very, very well said. Um, thank you both for such a unique uh, window. Um, you know, obviously this this episode is a lot different than our other episodes. Um, would be very curious what you think, what you heard. Uh, uh, you know, are there some elements that you really resonate with? Um, are there things that really work in your relationship uh, out there? Uh, feel free to, to, to drop us an email um, at feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Again, that's feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Um, yeah, again, thank you, uh, Anna, for uh, all of your insights. Really appreciate it. Um, I think there are so many different elements uh, that, that we could talk about in future episodes as well, if you'll, if you'll have us. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, and Lauren as well. Um, so so uh, I, I would imagine the next step is is going to be um, my turn. The, the tables will turn. And so, uh, you know, here another set of perspectives uh, for Very us. Cool. So, um, uh, again, thanks, everybody. Uh, and hope you all have a good rest of your day. Take care. We're a new podcast, and it would mean the world to us if you took a moment to write a review in the Apple Podcasts app or share this episode with a friend or family member. We'd like to hear from you. Is there a topic you're interested in? Have feedback more generally? Email us at feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Thanks, and see you next time.